Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Lightning fall to the Bruins 3-0. They rally behind two Victor Hedman goals, but fall short 3-2 in Game 1 of their series with Boston. What's happened to the Bolts' power play? And the Bucks resume practice Sunday. Some great plays by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to talk about, but the Bucks' running backs, eh, not so much. The drops were falling, and Bruce Arians called them unacceptable. And the Rays win 5-4 of the Blue Jays with Josh Fleming, a Division Three pitcher from Webster University, making his Major League debut the 11th. Starting pitcher already utilized by the Rays in 28 games. We've got all that and more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, you're just back as we do this podcast in the early hours of Monday. By the way, happy back to school day. And <laughs> we got, no, we got wait, kids. Wait, wait. It, it, no, is this really back to school? Because it's back to e-learning day. Back to e-learning day. That's right. Yeah, for a week at yeah. least in Hillsborough. I know there's some brick and mortar folks going uh, in Pinellas yeah. and in Pasco counties. I saw a big discussion on Facebook going, "Is this the first day back from school for school, or is it next? When do we take the pictures with the signs?" <laughs> yeah, I think it's when they get to the bus stop and actually <laughs> leave the house, which we're all looking forward to if they can do it safely. And um, yeah, so. Um, the kiddos will be up early uh, in front of their computers and talking to their teachers and trying to figure out how they're going to navigate the first week. Yeah, look, the first week of school was never was never that taxing, even when you were at school, right? So how bad could it be? But now it's like you got two yeah. first weeks of school because you're going to have one uh, week of e learning, and then you're going to go back to school and have to learn everything about the school and your classroom and the protocols and yeah, all of that. So one, I look at it this way: one less one less week to wear a mask because I don't know how that's going to go with my kids, but. Um, they're going to have a lot of adjusting to do, and so will we. You know, I, I saw the perfect thing on uh, someone put it on Facebook or Twitter, or, you know, Instagram, one of those. Right. Said if you don't think your kids can wear a mask for a long period of time, tell them they can't use electronics without wearing a mask. <laughs> oh yeah, you'd be amazed how long they'll wear it for. That's right. Yeah. Hey, see that iPad? I'm taking it away unless you put that mask on. Okay. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, they, they would never. You want to play? Never see you want to play PlayStation? Put your mask on. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It wouldn't be a thing at all. You want to watch Bucks practice? Put a mask on. And eh, that's so much. Uh, we'll get to the Bucks in a minute, but I'll tell you this. I, I sat here since, uh, what was it, middle of March, whenever the world shut down. And I remember, you know, just waiting for sports to start again and missing sports and all those things, missing our lives, being able to plan to go to work. And I remember saying, I, you know, I used to dislike football practice and I would give anything just to watch. So watch a football practice right now. after about what's it been maybe five or six practice I'm good <laughs> if I don't ever see one again <laughs> I'm telling you it's just football practice is practice. one of those things pra- we're, we're talking about not practice? the game not the game I love what are we talking about we're talking about practice we're talking about Tom Brady although it is cool I will say this it is different to watch the goat you know work out there with his guys and Rob Gronkowski and still a little surreal but. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was it was actually a nice day. It was kind of cloud covered, but it gets hot pretty early out there, and um, 
yeah, I'm, I'll be back out there, oh, in about four or five hours. So in the meantime, uh, we're going to talk a little lightning hockey to start this off with. And a disappointing start. I mean, you know, you're ready for the second round uh, of the playoffs here, and the lightning come out. And not that it was as bad as their their – you know that their one period that was was god awful in their in what what was it their final game the second period to Columbus yeah on, second uh, period against Wednesday. Columbus but it was it was sort of similar I guess um, just didn't do anything and and the surprising thing is like they know this team you know both teams know mm-hmm. each other so well um, and and look Boston's better than Columbus I mean they just are and they play mm-hmm. a different style I recognize that. But but it just didn't seem like the Lightning were quite had that that giddy up that you would hope that they would have to start a series against against what is essentially a rival of theirs and a better hockey team and 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 I guess that was the thing I mean they you know they they sort of got their legs under them I think in the second and third periods I thought they played okay and sometimes better than okay um, but it, it was just not being and, and look they were they were only down one nothing after one I mean it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't bad. Uh, you know, as it turns out, Toronto's or I'm sorry, Boston scored, you know, going in each in each period. But they just they just didn't seem like they were they were with it to be in that game. Well, let's give some credit to Boston first. And and there's a reason they were the best defensive team in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Is and, and the president's trophy winner. They're a really good hockey team. Yeah, they are. We know about the line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshan, but I mean, they they are a good hockey team up and down. So give some of the credit to them that they were oh, sure. they were taking what the Lightning liked to do, and they took it away. Now, mm-hmm. against Columbus, the Lightning were finding ways around that, yeah. dumping the puck in and going chasing. The Lightning right. did that for the first couple minutes. Then they got and a power got play that fizzled, and it was done. Yeah, And then they were trying to make the long passes, and they were holding the puck too long, trying to make the perfect pass and the perfect mm-hmm. play instead of just shooting the puck on the net. Victor Hedman's two goals in the third period. He wristed two shots on the net. Now, sure, they hit McAvoy and, and, and bounced in, but when you get a shot on net quickly, that can happen, particularly against a goalie like Yaroslav Halak. He's not Tuka Rask. He's a good goalie, but he's not elite. Right. Put pucks on the net quickly. You, you know, Phil Esposito was getting exasperated by how long they were waiting to shoot all night and trying to take imagine. big slap shots and when all you need to do is wrist it and get it on the net. Because yeah. as they got to the second and third period, they were generating chances. Mm-hmm. They had their chances. I mean, you know, Boston was the better team tonight, but the Lightning had lots of chances in front of the net, and, and Halak made some great saves. Uh, Goodrow at the post, and and Braden Point in front, and Kucherov in front, and I mean, there was lots of good saves he made. So the Lightning had their chances. It wasn't like they were. I mean, like I said, Boston deserves to win that game, but they weren't dominated the whole game. There were there right. were stretches that they looked pretty bad. When there were stretches, I mean, they outshot Boston for the game. Now, part of that is you're behind and you're trying to catch up, too. But they had some good chances in the second and third period. They they were hesitating some and not putting it on net quick enough. And, and all three of the goals they gave up, they had a, 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 a they had a part of. I mean, you know, the, the Marshan goal that ends up being the game winner. Yeah, that's a turnover. Eric Chernak makes a beautiful check on, on, on Marshan and gets the puck away from him. Mm-hmm. McDonough takes the puck and goes too slow, knowing Bergeron's behind him, who's right. loves his pocket pick, who is yeah. hard on pucks. I mean, Bergeron is one of the best at that. You've yeah. got to get that puck up the ice quickly and out of there. He didn't. Yeah. Bergeron steals it from him, passes it over, you know, gets to Pasternak and then Marchand, and, and in the net it is. 
And yeah. Vazzy had no shot on that. I mean, that's a mistake on McDonough's part. You know, you've got to know who's there and which line's on the ice, and i got to get it out of here. I can't just, you know, casually bring it up knowing that the guys are behind me. I mean, that's a mistake on McDonough's part. Um, you know, it, it's, it's things like that that, like I said, the Lightning didn't deserve to win, but they did some good things, too, in, in the game. And like they were generating chances, and they were figuring out and finding their legs throughout. You know, as the game went on, they got better, I thought. No, they definitely did. Uh, Halak made 35 saves. Um, that's his highest total of the playoffs. I think he's now mm-hmm. 4-0, I want to say. Um, and, you know, 37 shots. Um, look, I, I I know what you're saying, and all that all that is true. It, it just you would just hope that um, having learned what they what they you know how they knew they have to play against mm-hmm. Columbus and Boston's more talented that they would be you know more committed to that structure of uh, of getting pucks deep and getting them on the net and then that sort of thing. It did happen in, in the periods two and three. And I mean, look after Vic, Victor Hedman scores with what was it like just over a minute left, one fourteen I think on the empty uh, when when they have their their empty mm-hmm. net. Um, you know, it, it was not decided. I mean, this they they almost got back into this game and sent it into overtime, and and um, it was too little, too late. Um, but they they did make make Boston's you know have to work for it at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it look, it's a seven game series. It is one game. Even when they, you know, they won their first game, of course, against Columbus. Columbus came back and won game two, and you know, uh, and and on they went. And that's sort of what series do. They kind of. Uh, swing back and forth. I think this is going to be a close series. Am I right about this? I heard uh, when I was watching the broadcast that this was only the third win by Boston over Tampa Bay in the last 14 games. Is that true? Let's see. They played uh, last game in the regular season that they played Tampa won. I mean, they, the, right. two years ago in the playoffs, Tampa took four out of five. They took the last mm-hmm. four of that series. Right. Uh, and if you remember, and, and granted, that's two years ago and different teams, different scenarios, but game one of that series, Boston won, I want to say it was 6-3, but it could have been 4-2, something like that. The Lightning played a better game than the score looked like, but yes. Boston deserved to win it probably, although you could have made the case Tampa played pretty well. But the line of Pasternak, Bergeron, and, and Marshawn dominated that game and won it for them. And Braden Point, Braden Point and his line was like a minus four and played didn't play very well. And Cooper mm-hmm. challenged them directly. And from the rest of the point of that series, they shut down that line. Now, not saying that's going to happen here, but one game does not make a series. Now it's up to what adjustments are Tampa going to make to try to shut down that line, who was very productive as usual in, mm-hmm. in, in Sunday night's game. You know, And they did it two years ago. Can they find that again? I mean... The one thing that – there's two things that bother me particularly is, one, McDonough's injury. He left in the third period. We yeah. don't know what we, – yeah. we don't have an update yet. If he can't go, I would assume Braden Coburn will slot in because they like to keep that righty-lefty matchups. They, 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 the, this coaching staff doesn't really like to put two right-handers on the same defensive pair or two left-handers. So with the lefty, if McDonough is out, you would think Braden Coburn would most likely slide in there. But the other part is the Sorelli Johnson Kalorn line has been lost in this playoffs. Yeah, it has. You don't. There's a lot of times on the ice you don't even notice them. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're playing bad, but they're not as productive, and they're not. They're not. 
creating plays and, and, and causing havoc and, you know, pressuring as much as you would think that line would. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if it's just that they're against the, you know, some of the best Boston and Columbus lines because that's kind of the shutdown line. And so maybe, the, you know, the offensive production may suffer because you're focusing more on the defensive end. I get that. And, and there may be some truth to that, but you don't see them forechecking as much. And you, you just, they become invisible at times. And, and it's, I'm not sure why, um, you know, as much as, you know, we noticed the Gord, Coleman, and Goodrow line. Mm-hmm. Most of the time on the ice, although I didn't think they were as impactful tonight as they were in the Columbus series, um, I thought they were good. But uh, you know that the the Sorelli line, you just kind of wonder. You know, you'd like to see a little more of them and notice them more on the ice. You know, they threw some shots on. Uh, I mean, the play they gave me that mm-hmm. that one where uh, McDonough has the pass to Goodrow and he hit the post. Mm-hmm. Um, they got some bad luck too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you need that to happen. Um, but again. You know, with one eleven, one fourteen or so, it's still a game. It's a one goal game, and 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 you think they may have a chance to pull something out. So, I I think this series is going to go back and forth. I don't expect the Lightning to be dominated at all by Boston. They really weren't in the game. Um, again, the first period was shaky, but um, it was is a difficult way to start it. And you know, um, look, the last two again, years, these have been the best two teams in the na- in the uh, National League, the best two teams in the Eastern Conference. Sure, uh, you know. Last season, Tampa Bay set all kinds of records, mm-hmm. and Boston ended up going to the Stanley Cup and lost in Game 7. This year, Boston's the President's Cup trophy winner, and Tampa yep. Bay is second in the Eastern Conference. Right. You know, I mean, these are two really good hockey teams that have been good for many years. Their core has right. been together for a long time, and, yeah. and there's a rivalry brewing, too, between them. I mean, you know, they yeah. don't seem to like each other very much when they're on the ice. No. So. You know, this is yeah. This is not going to be a short series. This no, well, I suppose Boston still has a chance to sweep, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I never thought this this series would go four or five. I thought it would be six or seven. Right. Let me ask you this because, and and this has to change. I think if they're going to have success, is what in the bloody heck is going on or not going on? As the case maybe with their power play, why can't this team score? Well, I I think there's I'll, I'll, several factors. One, Stamkos isn't there. And so, and so they shade to Kucherov. Mm-hmm. An awful lot. You know, I mean, are you really scared of Braden Point or Tyler Johnson on that other side? No. I mean, no. they have good shots, but they're not Stamkos or Kuch or, you know, they're yeah. not that elite Ovechkin, those type of players on a power play that, you know, you've got to absolutely watch out for. That's right. I'm not sure why Hedman isn't on the number one power play. Cooper has not addressed. He's been asked, and he said, well, we've swapped them all year. Well, that's not really the case. I mean, when Hedman's been out, yes, but Hedman's been on the number one power play for years in this team. Uh, I'm not sure why that's been switched. Uh, I don't think Sergachev shoots the puck enough on the power play. He's always looking for Cooch first, and teams know that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, was, it was telling at one point um, Michigan's calling the game, and Boston was on a power play. And they had a lot of offensive zone time for a while. I don't remember which power play it was. And at one point he goes, Boston's changed their shape and on the power play and you know, so and so's here, here, here. And I'm like, that's something you never hear Tampa Bay said about Tampa Bay. Right. They don't change anything on the power play. Right. Now, part of you know, part of the problem tonight and, and, and even some of the Columbus series is they lose a lot of face offs on the power play. 
They do. They lose faceoffs in general. I mean, that, yeah. that's been a problem for yes. the whole well, playoffs. And, and Patrice Bergeron is one of the best in the business who they're going yes. against in this series. But when you lose that faceoff, one, you have to go down the ice and you're killing 20 you're seconds. 200 feet. Mm-hmm. They have trouble with the entries. And, and, you know, I don't like that drop pass. I know Phil Esposito really doesn't like it, but I've never understood that drop pass. If, if they're bottling you up at the blue line, chip it in and go get it. You've got five right. guys. They've got four. That's right. I, I I don't understand that drop pass consistently like that. And teams know it's coming. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Tampa Bay, and you can say this for years about several aspects of them, but they do what they do, and they don't change very much. And, and they're talented enough that it, more often than not it works. But there's a lot of things if you scout them, I think you can – you know, you can bottle up their entry in the zone in the power play if you win the faceoff because they do the same thing every time. I mean, you can scout that and, and do that. Now, they usually have enough skill that some of the time they can get away with it and, and go. Um, there's not a lot of creativity in, in that terms of of the, the lightning. I mean, you know, Cooch is a very creative player, and, and they make creative plays as they go along, but the setup and schemes, to me, don't seem to be very creative. There's not a lot of change or – you know, there's not a lot of adjustments made in it necessarily. Uh, maybe there's subtle ones that maybe you don't even notice as a, just a, a fan watching it. But um, that's one of the things that, you know, this is what we do. Everyone knows it, and we're just going to go execute it. And when you have Stamkos and Kucherov both on the power play, it works a lot better. Well, they were, I mean, it, the, the stat lines aren't good. Um, they were out hit, I think. Um, they certainly uh, didn't win the faceoff battle. I mean, there's, there's a number of things they, they didn't do well. And and yet, um, it's game one of a seven-game series. So, you know, they're definitely going to have to play better. Have to find out, you know, what's going to be the deal with uh, with, with, with McDonough. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I mean, you know, injuries are going to be a factor. I thought Andre Vasilevsky played really, really well. That's the other thing is that, mm-hmm. you know, this guy continues to keep them in games um, when he's facing a lot of shots and a barrage of shots at that. Um, they still have, the I think, the greatest goaltender in the world. And, and at some point... I mean, it, it's got to matter at at some point, um, Steve. That that Boston doesn't have to Garask. You would think so, but you know, go back to where what I started with is there's a reason they're the best defensive team in hockey. Yeah, and and, and, a, they, and a lo- they're protecting a goaltender yes, right yes. now. Some of that is Rask, but yeah, they're also a very good defensive team, very structured, very responsible. Right. Um, you know, their best offensive line. You know, you could sit there and talk about how great. Pasternak and Marchand and Bergeron are. And it's a wonderful offensive line. Their top two penalty killers are Marchand and Bergeron. Mm-hmm. It's you know, the their best line is their best penalty is power play line and best penalty kill. I mean just you know, that line is in, in, in it's not they're not just one line, but their players their best offensive players play really good defense too. Yeah. And, and that's why they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Yep, they certainly are. They are that. So the Lightning Trail now uh, 1-0 in their best of seven against Boston. But they got to next... turn it around quick because they have back-to-back games now. Yeah, it's gonna. That's why I said it's gonna be. It's gonna be fast. And so, and this is the thing. And you, you, we, you touched on this, I think, in one of our last podcasts. Is that you know these guys are in a bubble, and <clears throat> quite frankly, it seems as if they just assume play, you know, and 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 move on, right? Win, lose, or draw. They're not going to take a lot of days in between games. There's no travel, so there's no reason to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, they don't want to take the time between games. But there's also, you know, and Cooper talked about this after, the, you know, the, winning the Columbus series and, you know, okay, you win the series early and you get some extra time off, but you can't go spend it with your family. You can't That's right. go out to eat. You can't go, you know, you're in this bubble. So I, I think the NHL, in part to, uh, you know, speed up that process and, and get everyone home sooner and, and also to make sure that, hey, We've done really well with no COVID test in the bubble. Yeah, let's let's do let's, this. Let's get this done as quick as possible to to ensure that we don't. And so there's two back to backs in both Eastern Conference series uh, between games two and three, and then six and seven. And it's one back to back in the Western Conference series. And I think some of that is just scheduling. But two, the Eastern Conference winners are going to travel to Edmonton at the end of the series because that's where the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals will be played at. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, let's uh, talk about the Bucks a little bit. Some bad news, and, and one was anticipated, I guess, both maybe to some extent. I was there on Friday when John Franklin got hurt. T.J. Logan, of course, the running back that Bruce Arians was very excited about. He drafted him with the Arizona Cardinals, played mostly as a return guy a year ago. Um, you know, he had the torn uh, patella tendon in practice when he was uh, tackled during it, really what was supposed to be a non-contact drill, so... Uh, he was placed on injured reserve. And John Franklin, you guys remember the interview we did here on the podcast on uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay, and I wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times. The last chance you guy, right? John Franklin, uh, J5, John Franklin the third. you know, a kid from South Florida that was a quarterback, went to Florida State, was on a national championship team uh, with Jameis Winston, and then he ended up playing for four different universities, uh, before his college career was over, went from Florida State to East Mississippi Community College, and that was the the big Netflix series, uh, you know, Last Chance You, and became sort of a star uh, of that series. Didn't play much, but became kind of a star of the series. And then, um, you know, he, he wound up going to Auburn after that and then finished up at Florida Atlantic, played for Lane Kiffin. So uh, he had been in the NFL uh, as a defensive back, a position he never played in high school or anywhere else. They had him work out there in his pro day at FAU. The Bears signed him. Um, late last year, the Bucks brought him in as a defensive back and then wound up switching him to offense. He was running scouts team quarterback. He was playing Deshaun Watson when they were preparing for Houston. And they had a lot of big plans for him, both as a receiver, possibly a return guy, because Logan got hurt um, last, uh, I guess it was last Wednesday, I want to say. And then, and then on Friday I was there, we were inside – uh, the Bucks facility, they were practicing indoors, and he was just in a one-on-one drill and made a cut, uh, got a little tangled up with a defensive back, and um, I fear that it's an ACL. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, it is It is uh, apparently season-ending. So, man, football is such a brutal game. You know, that 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 is the thing. And I know it's, it's part of, you know, everybody says, well, it's part of the game, but it is at this level when you have guys trying to make a living and, you know, so close um, to either making a practice squad or a regular roster, and then you see, you know, um, an injury that really is sort of 
unavoidable or freakish in nature. Um, it's just really disappointing. So, you know, healing vibes to those two guys, but they're going to have to find uh, other players. It means opportunity for other guys that will, will certainly take advantage of it, particularly at the running back position. And this is the thing. So I'm out there watching the Bucks practice uh, on, you know, on Sunday morning, which is not, you know, typically a day that you would have practice, but it's training camp. So we're out there getting our COVID tests and they roll out at 830. And when I see Jay Glazer, you know, from Fox is there and, Albert Breer from Money Morning Quarterback and Sports Illustrators. I'm thinking, wow, this is this is kind of you know this must be a big day, right? And um, so they they were working on situational stuff and and just in warmups, um, we were very close uh, on field one there on the sideline to where they were warming up. And I mean, and particularly the running back positions, they were just the coach was throwing balls to him, and we kept watching these balls just getting butterfingered away like one after the other, and it wasn't just. A guy was pretty damn near the whole unit, um, you know, starting, you know, with with Ronald Jones. And, and, you know, I think the only guy that caught the ball really consistently was was Daria Goombawale. Even even Shady McCoy had a drop or two in warm-ups. Um, the young rookie, Keyshawn Vaughn. It was, and it was noticeable. It was like, okay, you know, you see one, you're like, oh, I've got to drop the ball. You see another one, eh, I dropped another one. But then it was like one after the other. And so they get into practice, and we know that you know Brady um, loves loves to throw to his running backs. He is a check down guy. He can still throw it down the field. He's got plenty of arm. Um, but when he reads things out, if if you're going to give him something underneath, he'll take it almost every time. You know, to him, that's money in the bank, uh, and and it helps him get the ball out quick. It helps his offensive line. It moves the chains. Productive play. All of that. And so the situations they worked on in practice in football, you just don't go out there and play a game. You know you. Uh, you know, on on Monday it was third and eight, right? Or then it would be, you know, third and one. And so they're working a lot of third down situations where, you know, if you don't convert what happens in a game, you're punting, right? You're, you're, you're preventing an opportunity to have three or four or ten more plays. And and that can very, very often be the difference in a game. You, you must convert on third down. Um, and so we're watching them throw these balls uh, to the running backs in particular, um, checking it down to Ronald Jones, and, and Ronald Jones just like drops two, um, you know, back to back, and and you know Shady loses one, and um, and so on, and it just kind of continued from from the warm ups, and so after practice, we had a chance to talk to Bruce Arians. We asked him about it. We asked uh, running backs coach Rob McNair. They both said, "Hey, look, you know this is unacceptable," and and the reason it is is that um, you know in the last three or four or five years, Brady has, has completed, not attempted, but completed over 100 passes to his running backs per season. I mean, that is an incredible amount of targets uh, that are going to your running backs. And, and you know, in addition to, to knowing what, having to know what to do in pass protection, which is usually a, a big transition, um, you got to catch the ball. You just have to. And, Steve, I got doubts about Ronald Jones. I mean, he caught 32 passes at USC – yeah, he had 30, I think 30, 31 receptions last year, mostly in the screen game. But he's their bell cow. He's their main guy. And I think there's a reason LaShawn McCoy is here because, you know, he's had almost 4,000 yards receiving in his career. Um, these guys are going to have to catch the football when it, when, when it really matters. Well, if you don't, you're, you're going to lose the trust of Tom Brady, which – That's the key. You know, then you're, you're essentially toast at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 that's it. Trust is the big word. 
you know, because Tom has said, and, and, and he has done this in New England and other places, if I don't trust you, you can play the guy. I'm not throwing him the football. That's that's a direct quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So, I mean, he's, look, Brady's good enough to go, I'm not throwing to this guy. Yeah. I don't care if he's primary on this route or this play. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm starting with number two and going down the list. I mean, that's, yep. you know, he's good enough to do that. Because if he, he doesn't is. trust you, can I mean, what did we talk about last week? Because he's coaching O.J. Howard, mm-hmm. telling him, mm-hmm. run with your shoulders squared run. up so that yeah. you're just running. The The ball will be at your hip. You can trust me. It's going to right. be right there at your hip. You just right. r- run fast. Don't don't look back. Right. You know, trust. That, that's, that's a big thing with Brady. He's, he's said it many times. You've heard him throughout the years where he's like, I can't trust these guys. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, a receivers who, you know, he's when he's – got whatever receivers Bill Belichick has signed and hoping can catch a ball and Brady, you know, doesn't trust him. I mean, that's we know that with him. And yeah. you know, if running backs are going to consistently drop the ball, he's not going to throw it to them, which means right. he's going to figure something else out. Yeah. And, and and Ronald Jones is is right now their number one back and you know, he had troubles pass protecting, which is which is the quickest way to get out of the lineup, but you know, if he doesn't catch the ball, it's going to be a different group in there. Uh, and I don't know that Shady McCoy, who is still, you know, Bruce Arian says needs to lose some weight, not really in football shape just yet, and they don't have many days to do that. Uh, you know, Dare is a young player that was used mostly on third down a year ago. It's not a deep running back group until guys like Keyshawn Vaughn and, and, and the rookies can get up to speed. So, you know, we'll see. It's – um and I know it's just a snapshot. It's one practice. It's all of that. But, you know, Ronald Jones is a guy who has trouble with hand placement. And what I mean by that is, and we talked to, you know, we talked to his coach, McNair, um, after practice. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, they had to show him how to position his hands to receive the ball. Um, you know, he would get them in funky positions. And on the one, one of the ones he dropped, um, he had his palms up. You know, he had both palms up trying to trying to catch the ball, you know, that way. And that's just not the way you, you catch the ball in the National Football League. So they've got work to do. Fortunately, they have a little bit more time to do it. Um, boy, Brady looked good, though, on, on some throws, uh, I got to tell you, on, on Sunday because um, he had some shots. I'll tell you two guys who can catch, <laughs> and that is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yes. Uh, those guys are dynamic. And – he threw one in the seam to Mike Evans. He leaped high four. That was just a thing of beauty. But the play of the day, and you can go on TampaBay.com, in the story that I wrote about um, the drops and the running backs, um, I also uh, included a, a tweet in there with video from Carmen Vitelli uh, from the Bucks of this catch that Chris Godwin makes from Brady in the end zone. And, I mean, Godwin is completely blanketed. I mean, it's Sean Murphy bunting has him – going nowhere and they're running out of end zone and Brady puts this ball sort of on his on on the opposite side of, of where you would expect it to be down low and away and Godwin turns around contorts his body and makes a diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown and the situation which was which makes this better is they were practicing a situation where it's fourth and game in other words a field goal doesn't do anything for them. There's about five or ten seconds left. But they're within shot of the end zone. They're about 20, 25 yards away. So Brady has to try, has to throw the ball in the end zone. And if you catch it, you win. If you don't, you lose. And the play he makes um, is phenomenal. And Brady, who, you know, 
gets excited, but I haven't seen him do this since he's been in Tampa. Runs from wherever he threw the ball, 30, 35 yard line in a dead sprint. And the, you know, the sidelines going nuts and him and Godwin, he gets a big bear hug of Godwin. I mean, it's, it's really something to see, you know, those two guys hook up on, on a simulated, you know, situation, but one that would have won a football game. And just to see the excitement, if you think Tom Brady doesn't want to win, if you think that he doesn't still love football, you have to watch how he reacts to a practice throw. We're not, we're talking about practice, not the game I love. Um, but we're talking about practice. And so, yeah, he, he, he just done a nice job with those two. And, uh, another guy getting a, a ton of uh, credit from Bruce Arians, which did not happen last year, as you know, is O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard is revitalized. Um, you know, I said last year that I thought Howard, even though the guy is an unbelievable physical presence, I mean, you know, what is he, 6'6", 251 pounds, runs a 4.51. Um, but a year ago, his body did not look quite the same. Now that's, you know, that's really nitpicking to some degree. I mean, you can still first team all beach, right? I mean, it still looks great, um, but it wasn't as great. And uh, he's come back in tremendous shape, but but more so mentally. I mean, he was out there at Berkeley uh, every time that Tom, you know, called a practice, and we know his physical skills. And Tom is coaching him. Um, he made some nice catches on third down, big time plays, uh, plays where he could in the seam where he can continue running, and again. The ball placement that Brady has when he throws you away from trouble, away from the defenders, and hits these guys in stride, I think is going to provide a lot of run after the catch that they didn't have with Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis, look, he led the NFL in passing a year ago, but not all those throws you know, allow enable those guys to get more yards after the catch. I think that's going to be a big difference for Brady. And um, so the receivers they got that they're going to count on a lot, Gronkowski, Obviously, uh, Evans and good, uh, Godwin and, and O.J. Howard are, are all looking good. Cameron Brait got involved a little bit more, I thought, on um, you know on Sunday. They look great, and now it's going to be up to the running backs. They're going to have to really do a better job of hanging on to the football. So how about the Rays? Um, man, uh, I, am I starting on like Wednesday this week? Is it is it time for me to go out there and, and help these guys out? I mean... Well, I remember the days of, you know, your 25-man roster, you had a 10-man pitching staff. Right. The Rays have nine on the injured list. Nine. Nine. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? So if halfway through the season, which this afternoon will be game 30 for the Rays, so halfway through the season. We're there. Yeah, we're If you projected there. that the pitching staff would include John Curtis, Josh Fleming... <laughs> Who? Aaron Slager's... <laughs> God, Edgar Garcia. <laughs> if you had them on your uh, Rays pitching bingo card, you win. Oh man, you win a ton. Yeah, you've you've hit you've hit the big the big prize because, yeah, I mean these these guys have come out of nowhere, and the and the reason is because of all the injuries. Like like you mentioned, the latest, the latest, and not the greatest. Nick Anderson, their closer, the guy that's been lights out for them, um, has a little forearm. Uh, soreness and um, you know that sometimes can be a, a harbinger of bad things to come they don't think that he's going to miss as much time maybe as some of the others we still don't know about Charlie Morton mm-hmm. um, you know it, this, yeah, he's it, eligible list, to come off the injured list now but he's not yet so right I mean you got Alvarado's I mean there's so many guys that were counting on to start the season Chaz Rowe of late had an elbow issue mm-hmm. of course Colin um, Poche before the season 
Yeah, Poche, and 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 I and yet I was listening to uh, Buster Olney. This is not exclusive to the race. Um, no. It's not. There is a there is, for lack of a better word, just you know an outbreak of of arm injuries in the major leagues. And there and I was listening to somebody talk about this. It's a former pitcher. It might have been Ron Darling. And basically, he laid it out this way, and I agree with him. This is not this is not a coincidence, right? And shame on the union for not thinking about this. Of course, they couldn't get their act together, so that's why the you know spring training two point well, Remember, was, they didn't come to an agreement. No, they never did. They were they were told what to do. You're right. Um, so basically, when they came back, it was it was you guys got four weeks, you know, to prepare. Get your now they had shut it down. They had built these pitchers up. Then they shut them down. Then they needed to build them up again. Well, as Darling explained, he goes, you know what? Spring training is six weeks. And he goes, and the reason it's six weeks is this, is that after about four weeks, the pitchers all have the, you know, what is a dead arm syndrome. They've, they've just thrown too much. Um, you know, they're starting to crank it up, ramp up the, the velocity, uh, extend themselves inning-wise. And they need a couple more weeks after that, you know, to kind of dial it back a little bit. Um, and, and regain regain that natural strength in their arms um, after working it pretty hard for about a month. And he goes, you know what? They took away those two weeks. And he says, so now guys go into the season and they're trying to pitch their way through the, through the issues. They're trying to pitch their way through it and they're hurting themselves. And it's a real problem in baseball. I mean, it's I, I, I want to say that, and, and don't quote me, but I swear I heard this number and I was like, whoa, there's triple-digit pitchers in baseball um, that have some kind of trouble with their arm right now. And that's um, one month into the season. One month, yes, one month. And so this this thing, you know, again, the union didn't come to an agreement, but they actually didn't represent or protect their players either because you've got guys going on, to, on you know, Tommy John. If, you, if you're going to have Tommy John surgery this year, you're probably out for next year as well. At this um, point, yeah. I mean, it's usually about a 15-month Till you're back. I mean, you're throwing before then and starting, but till you actually return to the bigs, it's usually 14, 15, maybe 16 months. So you get it now, yeah, you're out all next year. It's, you know, yeah. you're talking 2022. So the restart, just the restart of, you know, the major league season and the 60 game sprint could wind up costing guys a season and it could wind up, frankly, costing people careers. Um, and that's, that's a shame because I, I, I think that, you know, there was bound to be some some effect of this of, of trying to get guys going, and I think you know the Rays. We watched them; they tried to be as careful with everybody as they could, particularly their starters, um, and and try to build innings for them. But you know, it hasn't always worked, and you got guys that come out of the bullpen now that are hurt. So all of that is, um, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to get through it. I really don't. They've got half a season to go; they're going to have to get some guys back for sure. Um, but they they you know, they they managed to to stay in first place. They beat the the Blue Jays five to four uh, with a kid named Josh Fleming from Division three Webster University makes his major league debut. John Romano wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times. You should read it on TampaBay.com. His family flew in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always said, "When you make your major league debut, we will be there." Well, you, you won't be there, um, but they were across the street at Ferg's. <laughs> Watching the game on TV, all, all of them, um, which was really exciting, as you can imagine. And the kid looked good. He looked good. He he mm-hmm. he, he got out of some trouble. Yep. Um, doesn't throw extremely hard. 
I think he led the nation in ERA when he was in college and um, left-hander that just battles you. And, um, you know, I think he, he left uh, – I think he only gave up two runs in the uh, four innings or so that he pitched, four yeah. or five innings. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Neil, Neil Solance in the postgame show kind of put – he goes, look, he didn't – he wasn't great, but he was very good. And yeah. for a, a debut or major, you know, making good, a major league yeah. debut, that's all, it's all you could ask for. And, and it, you know, it was he helped helped his team get the win. He kept his team in the game. He got mm-hmm. through some jams. He, he did he did exactly what you needed him to do to make his major league debut. It's phenomenal when you've got all those pitchers on the shelf and you need somebody to come up and help you out. Eleventh starting pitcher. That's been utilized already in just 28 games. Well, and, and, you know, I'll give Neil Neil Solon's credit for this. He brought it to my attention. John Curtis got the save today. Mm -hmm. The eighth Tampa Bay Ray pitcher to get a save this year. Wow. There are 17 teams in Major League Baseball that don't have eight saves. (laughs) And the Rays have eight players with a save. I was listening again, uh, and this was on my drives list on baseball tonight on the radio, and they and they were marveling at how how do the Rays do it? Just how do they do it? Like they have all these injuries too, and you know it seems like every year they just find guys that just you know come in there and they all they all win and they all pitch well, and here they are in first place. I think they're a game now over the Yankees and. Um, you know, just it is it is something to marvel at how they've had this success with with a number of different players already this year. But hey, um, it was a good series uh, against Toronto, who's a, who's a tough team. You know, they, well, they got they, one more to today against Toronto. It's a they four got game one more to wrap series, it up. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's an afternoon. I think it's an afternoon game. Three o'clock, three ten is your first pitch. Yeah. And um, they're almost done with the Blue Jays. That, uh, but they've you know they've managed to win. Uh, the series, I think, and Toronto's lineup. I mean, if they get if they get some pitching down the road, those young kids can all hit. Man, they are really a, they are really a handful. They're tough outs, and they they hit with power. They've had a ton of home runs this year. That's going to be a fun baseball team to watch in the years to come. I think. Oh yeah, and, and, and you know, for a, you know, a kid that grew up in, the, in that era, you know, they've got a, what's the all sun team. I mean, yeah, watching that's right. Guerrero and Biggio and Bichette. I mean, those that's my mm-hmm. that's my, you know, childhood and and you know, high school college mm-hmm. years of watching baseball. I mean, those are the, those are the players I grew up watching, so. Yeah. It's got all their sons. I mean, you kind of root for them just because of that cuz I liked all those guys. Yeah, and they're all really good players and, and of course Bichette was you know, played right here at Lakewood High School. Mm-hmm. So, yep. he's a local kid that um that's done a nice job. So, it was a fun series. Um and it'll wrap it up this afternoon. So I'll be back out at uh, One Buck Place and uh, trying to think of who's on the Zoom call tomorrow. Um, I'm not really sure. We had Sean, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, you know, on, on the Zoom call yesterday. We talked to Darwin and Goomba Wally. Again, you can check it out on TampaBay.com. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Lightning back at it. Uh, see if they can even that series against the Boston Bruins. We're here every Monday through Friday. We know it's a late night edition, early morning where you guys are. I'll be up in about five hours back at it at One Buck Place. Steve was going to do whatever Steve does because he works 24-7 in schools tomorrow. So uh, be careful if you're out and about and you do have to go take the little ones to school and the bus drivers will be out there. So uh, traffic are, are always there buses changes. Tomorrow? Hillsborough, there's no buses tomorrow. No buses tomorrow in Hillsborough, but I'm sure in the area. Yeah. Steve, we're global. I mean, we're no, that's true. Mind. That's true. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, we're like I got a guy. We're like Pitbull. I got a guy in Las Vegas. It's going to be. He's going to be calling us in about five minutes if we don't post this thing because he's going to want to see what's going on. Hi, know? Craig. Yeah, <laughs> Craig and Craig in Vegas. Hey, how come you guys are a little late, isn't it, or a little early where you are? Yeah, Craig, we don't we don't stay up as late as you do three no, hours that, away. No. In his defense, that day there was a technical issue that that no, didn't post properly. So I understand. Yeah, I understand. We had, we had, a, yeah. we had, we had several that that uh, contacted us complaining. So. Right. Well, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, happy first day of school, if that's what you're doing. Um, and if you're doing e-learning, good luck with that as well. Happy homeschooling. Um, that's right. Happy homeschooling to you. So for Steve Erstink, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>